All right, so we're back uh, this morning with our final week of Reset. And as we've been discussing over the past several weeks is really getting this idea of looking throughout the story of Joseph that this was a guy who had reset after reset happen in his life. And if you read the story of Joseph, he handled it better than I think anyone else could have. I mean, from going to a place of prominence, to a pit, to slavery, to prison, to then governor, Man, that guy had his whole life up and down, up and down, and he just handled it with such just poise and character. And so it got me thinking, like, what was it about about him? What was it about Joseph's life? What was it about who he was as a person, as a man, that, that he was able to handle these things in his life so well? And so we've been kind of unpacking his life over the last several weeks, and and we've touched on some things. We touched on the fact that when you look at the story of Joseph, this guy was grateful. And he wasn't grateful just based on the things that had happened in his past. He wasn't just grateful for the moment. He was grateful because he put his gratefulness and thankfulness in the future. Because he knew that no matter where he would go and what he would be involved in, God was going to be with him. And he was. And he was thankful for that. We talked about the fact that Joseph was proactive. That when things happened in his life, it was like he was already prepared for them. It it, it was like he, he wasn't reactive. It wasn't like he was scrambling. It wasn't like he just kind of froze. Instead, he he was ready. And I think about our own lives when things happen, you know, uh, circumstances, tragedies, whatever it may be, and and a lot so many times it catches us off guard. But what if God desires for us to be more proactive than that? What if he desires us to have the proactiveness of Joseph so that we're ready when life happens? And then we talked about this idea of courageousness. That through it all, through the face of fear, that Joseph had the exact same choices that you and I have right now. In the midst of this virus, we have choices. For some of us where we're choosing to fight, others are choosing to flee, others are just choosing just to freeze right where they are. But for Joseph, when he faced fear, he chose faith. He knew that his God was bigger than whatever would be scaring him to death. So this week we're going to wrap up. And we're going to wrap up with um, an idea and a word that when you first think about it or you look at Joseph, that it's kind of hard to connect the dots. And I'll be honest with you guys, when, when I was kind of putting this series together and, and this word was one I jotted down, I had to keep coming back to it. I'm like, surely there's a better word than that. But the word that I kept coming back to, and, and it, it really makes sense now, is transparency. If we're going to be able to handle the resets of our lives, we have got to be transparent. So here, here's what I mean by that. Um, I'm going to take you way back to when I was in high school. Now, I, I've said, and those of you who have known me have heard these stories, I, I am the worst possible athlete that has ever walked on the planet. I love sports. I love playing sports. I'm just terrible at them. And so up until high school, I had been cut by every team I had ever tried out for. I never, still to this day, I'm 45 years old, I have never made a team where they made cuts, right? I mean, that's just it. And and so when I was in high school, our high school decided that they were going to have the first ever boys soccer team. And so a buddy of mine played soccer, and he was like, oh, Mike, you got to come play, and it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be great, you know? So we show up at practice that very first day, and 
there's a lot more guys out there than I thought were going to be out there. So then I started sweating it because I just assumed we had never had a soccer team before. There's no way they're going to make cuts. I mean, this is an easy way to a varsity letter. Well, I looked around, and there were several guys, and all of them, they looked like soccer players. They ran like soccer players. They dressed like soccer players, except for me. So the coach had us doing some stretches and doing some little warm-ups and things like that. And then I noticed he was going around to each one of the players, and he was asking them, hey, have you ever played soccer before? Have you ever played soccer before? And to the kids that said yes, he sent them to one side of the field. To the ones that said no, and there were some that said no, I've never played soccer before, he sent them to another side of the field. Well, I'm watching all of this, and, and it's like separating the sheep and the goats, right? I'm like, this is it. He's just putting all of us poor suckers that have never played before in this one spot so he could walk over to them and say, guys, I appreciate you coming out, but we don't need your help. I've, I'd heard that speech before, right? Like I knew what was coming. And so when he came to me, <clears throat> he said, Michael, have you ever played soccer before? And I looked that coach straight in the eyes and I said, absolutely. <laughs> and he said, all right, then head on over there. So I ended up on the side of the field with all the pros. And I'm like, Phew, I dodged a bullet. I just made the soccer team, right? If I knew all I had to lie, I should have been doing this a long time ago. Well, then the coach goes over to, to the kids that had not played before, and I, I heard him, you know, he was kind of telling them some things, and I couldn't really tell what he was telling them. And then he walks over there to us, and he says, all right, guys, I want you to do this, 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 and this. And he starts yelling out all of these different drills. Well, all the guys were like, they knew what to do, because why? They had played soccer before. So all of a sudden, they're like getting in position, they're doing all this stuff, and I'm just like, what? I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I didn't even, I'd never kicked a soccer ball in my life. Like, the closest I'd come was literally kickball. So then I see him go over, and this coach did something crazy. He went over to these kids that had never played before, and he started coaching them. <laughs> he started showing them the basics. Well, now at this point, I can't go back and say, hey, coach, I lied. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I stayed with the kids that knew what they were doing, and I looked like the worst soccer player that I'd ever been. And he's over there taking his time and working with these new kids. And guess what? He didn't make cuts. And all season long, he would take a time during the practice, and he would work with those kids that had never played before. And I got stuck with these kids that were so much better than me, and I just felt so inferior and ran around and just didn't know what I was doing. It took me a whole year to catch up. But by the end of that year, the kids that had never played before, they were so much better than I was. And why? Because I was posing. I was a poser. Right? I wasn't being transparent. I didn't go before my coach and say, hey, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm just out here. I need some help. Instead, I posed. I, I tried to make him believe that I was somebody that I wasn't. And we've all been there, right? I mean, in middle school, we posed. And in high school, we posed. In college, I mean, isn't, let's just be honest. Isn't that the reason we have sororities and fraternities so all the posers could find each other and, and hang out together. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, I mean, in college we pose. And I'm telling you, there is not another profession on this planet that's full of posers more than the ministry. I'm just being honest. We all pose. Because it's a lot on us as pastors. We feel like, I don't know, we walk out of Bible college or seminary and all of a sudden we have this room full of people looking at us, expecting us to have all the answers. So all I did was I went from a soccer field 
as a poser to the ministry as a poser. And it took me 17 years to finally get to this point in ministry where I just said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I am totally lost here. And I could just see God roll up his sleeves and say, all right, now I can start working with you. <laughs> right? Because I spent my whole life just posing, trying to be somebody that I wasn't, trying to act like I was someone that I wasn't, instead of just being transparent, instead of just letting people know, look, this is who I am. These are my, my warts. This is, this is my bruises. This is my little idiosyncrasies. This is, this is who I am. But I tried to hide all of that. And if we're really honest, don't we all try to hide something still? I mean, it started in the Bible. You go back to the very first book, the book of Genesis. You go back to the creation of Adam and Eve. God created them. The world was perfect. Then Adam and Eve were deceived, and they ate of some fruit they weren't supposed to eat of from a tree they weren't supposed to be near. So then God comes looking for them. And what do they do? They hide. So God's calling for them, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they finally come out. And he says, why were you hiding from me? And they said, well, we didn't want you to see us because we were naked. And he said, who told you that? How did you know? In that moment, they were posing. And it's never left our earth since. We pose, we hide. We hide from God and we hide from others. But here's the thing about transparency. Transparency means that you own your story. That you just don't go through life pretending to be someone that you're not. Spinning these tales that you're smarter than you are, or dumber than you are, richer than you are, poorer than you are, or better or worse than you are. Because it can go both ways. Transparency means that you actually own the story that God has given you to write. Isn't that what we want? As much as it scares us, don't we want people to know who we truly are? To be so transparent that we can walk through life without having to feel so exhausted from trying to be someone that God never created us to be. But here's the thing. We cannot be transparent to those around us. We can't be transparent to our spouse. We can't be transparent to our kids. We can't be transparent to our friends. We can't be transparent to anyone in our lives until we're transparent to God. Until we're willing to go to God and say, God, you know me better than anybody. This is who I am. This may not be what exactly you made. This is what I've made of my life. But God, just take it. The moment we can start being transparent with our Creator, we can begin to be transparent with one another. So before we go any farther, I'm going to ask right now if you would to pray for me as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for the transparency that you accept. For the fact that we don't have to hide that you've seen us at our best, you've seen us at our worst, and you love us anyway. God, I pray that right now, 
man, you just challenge us. Speak to us in a way that we understand the areas of our lives that we're hiding. Help us to truly reveal ourselves to you the way that you already see us. Help us to begin to reveal ourselves to others the way that you already see us. Lord, this morning I pray for transparency. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. You see, Joseph, I think, had to be transparent in his life. It wasn't enough just to be grateful. It wasn't enough just just to be proactive. It wasn't enough just to be courageous. He had to be transparent because his life was constantly changing. Do you know how exhausting his life would have been with all of those ups and downs and all of those changes in his life if he was constantly trying to to morph and, and be that chameleon and kind of blend in with all of those different areas? But he wasn't. Instead, what we find is this this young boy that grew into this man that was able to literally save and change a whole generation of people there in Egypt because he was transparent his entire life. So as I was looking at at transparency and I was looking at at throughout the life of Joseph there in, in Genesis, there's four things that I noticed about him that I think you and I need to do a little bit better job of. First thing that I noticed is that Joseph own the hand he was dealt. And I think if we want to be transparent, that's the first thing we have to do, is we have to own the hand that we are dealt. And the first thing we have to do to realize that is that we're not all created equally. We just aren't. We're created equally and in God's eyes. He loves every single one of us the exact same. But if you look on this planet, because this planet is broken, we are not all born with a fair share. You can't tell me that someone who's born into a trust fund and a mansion and has everybody taking care of them has the same opportunity as as a child born on the streets in Mexico or Kenya. It just doesn't happen. But we have to own that about ourselves, that, that we have to own the hand that we've been dealt. Transparency begins when we can look around and say, all right, This is where I'm at right now. This is the hand that I've been dealt. Let me start there and start moving forward. Instead of looking at somebody else's life and and wanting to mimic that and copy that, instead of looking at someone else's success or someone else's marriage or someone else's relationship with their kids or someone else's kids or jobs or whatever it may be, so many times of our lives we want to steal that for ourselves. We want that to be the picture that we paint. can't. Look on Instagram or Facebook for five seconds without seeing a highly edited version of all of our friends' and families' lives. And we forget that that's not what their lives are like. Because that social media projects what we want our lives to be. It projects what we want people to think our lives are like. There's no transparency there. Because we haven't accepted the hand that we've been dealt. We haven't accepted the fact that we can just say, God, this is where you have me. This is my strengths. This is my weaknesses. This is my sphere of influence. This is what I can do. The moment that we can say, all right, I accept this, that's the moment that we can become comfortable with that hand that we've been dealt. We can become comfortable with that life and where we're at in life. No matter what your job or your bank account or how many friends or or Facebook likes you have, 
It doesn't matter because we are owning our story. We're owning the hand that we have been dealt. The second thing that I noticed that he did, Joseph owned his wounds. And we have to own our wounds. If we truly want to be transparent, we have to own the hurt that we have. We all have a story. We have all been hurt. We all have things in our lives that, that, that when we flash back, when we think about, almost like PTSD, we don't want to think about those things. But I believe this. Inside of every 40-year-old adult is a 10-year-old child that is hiding behind the sofa of your soul because they're hurt and they're scared and they're wounded. And we don't let that child out and we don't deal with those wounds. And when we don't deal with those wounds, we cover them up and we hide from them. And we act certain ways as we mature. We act certain ways as we grow up as adults. The way we treat other family members, the way that we treat our own kids or our spouse or the people that we work with or the people around us in our lives. They're all triggers. Those things, the way we treat them are wounds that we have that we've not taken care of. If we want to truly be transparent, we have to understand that we have been wounded and that wounds can heal, wounds can be forgiven wounds can even you can even move past them but those scars will always remain and it's those scars that God allows us to to be transparent and to not just help heal yourself but help to heal others our central chapter and and here in in, in at project re3 you guys who are part of our community you know this we're based on Isaiah 58 in Isaiah 58, 11, it says, you will use the rubble of past lives to build something new. Your wounds are your past lives. Your wounds are the things that is the rubble. But guess what? The good news is it can be rebuilt and you can use those wounds to help rebuild others. But you cannot do it if you're not transparent with those wounds. So Joseph, the the way that he was able to be transparent is the first thing he did was he owned the hand that he was dealt. He looked at his situations, whether he was in the pit or in slavery or in prison, and said, this is where I'm at right now. I'm just going to roll with it and trust God. He didn't try to be anything anymore or any less. It's who he was. He also owned his wounds. You don't think a teenage kid getting thrown in a pit, almost dying, and then being sold into slavery, you don't think he's not going to have some wounds from that? But because he was transparent with his wounds, because he was able to, to, to work through those wounds, when he was eventually reunited with his family, he was able to offer them forgiveness and love. Because he knows that's what was given to him by God. The third thing that I recognized about Joseph was he owned his dark side. And if we're really honest, we need to own our dark side too. And what I mean by that is this. You don't go through a life like Joseph being sold into slavery and living a life of slavery or being thrown into prison and living a life through prison without having, I don't know, some kind of anger inside of you, right? And he was a man. I'm a man. I understand, like, guys, we react a certain way with our anger. We, we, we can't control it sometimes. And there had to have been something in his life because he wasn't perfect. 
So there was that dark side in his life that he had to work through. Those struggles that he had. And maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a habitual sin. Maybe it's that thing, that addiction that you can't get through and, and you're scared to death of anybody else finding out. And maybe that's the block of you being transparent because you don't want anybody else to know. But all that really matters is that God knows. And yet you still think you can hide it from him. Maybe some of that darkness is dealing with the wounds that we just talked about a moment ago. Maybe that's leading to anxiety or depression or some of the darkness that you may feel that's still in your life. And maybe you feel like, you know what? I should be over that by now. I shouldn't still be carrying around this heaviness in my heart. But if you've never worked through it, if you've never sat down with someone, maybe even over a period of time and shared that part of your story and allowed God in so that he could heal you, that part of your life is always going to remain in the shadows. And when the best things I ever did was many years ago, I started going to counseling. I mean, I couldn't just sit in my offices and, and at whatever churches I was at and counsel the people who, would, who could come in and sit with me when I had all this stuff in my life. And so, yeah, I go see a counselor. I, I, just, I just had a phone counseling appointment a couple weeks ago, right? Because I need that. We all need that. That if we're going to be transparent, we have to work through our stuff. We have to shine light on the darkness in the corners of our lives if we're really going to be transparent. So Joseph, just like us, we need to own the hand that we've been dealt. We need to own our wounds. We need to own our dark side. And the last thing he did was this. And what we need to do during this situation of COVID, we need to own our commitments. We need to own our commitments. And what I mean by that is this. Throughout Joseph's life, he had a choice. And one of the choices was he could do for him or he could do for God. And over and over and over, you see again, he just recommits and commits and commits his life to God. If I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the most glorious slave I can be for God. Man, if I'm going to be in prison, I'm going to be the greatest prisoner that's ever lived for God. And then when he was elevated to governor, when he had a chance with his family literally kneeling down in front of him to squash them, to ban them, to, to, to heap all of the coals of his life onto them, he kept his commitment, which was, God, I'm going to be the best son and brother that I can possibly be for you. And I think about commitments that we've made. If you're watching this or listening to this right now, and you're a believer, you've made a commitment. You've committed your life to Christ. How's that going? How is, that, how is your life in your commitments held up during these last eight weeks of COVID? Because I'm telling you what, these last eight weeks have not changed you in some way for the better, then you've wasted these last eight weeks. You've wasted your commitment to God. If you're not closer now to your family because you're spending more time with them, if, if you're not 
I don't know, managing your money better because you're not going out and blowing it on things that you shouldn't be. If you're not spending as much time at work because you're, able, you're not able to work as much, so you actually get to be around more and be present. If those things aren't better in your life, that's on you. God has given us a chance for a reset. He's given us a chance to reset our marriages, to reset our relationship with our kids, with our parents, to reset our jobs, to reset our careers, to reset our finances, to reset our relationship with him. As a pastor, I thank God that churches are able to reset. Because way too long, churches have held on to things that they didn't need to hang on to. And I think we're realizing after eight weeks that we can actually live without some of these things. And maybe the way that we've always done ministry doesn't have to be the way that we do it in the future. That we made a commitment to God, not our past. What commitments have you made that you're falling short of? You have to own them. If you're not a believer, if you stumbled upon this video or this podcast, is it now the time to make that commitment? Because if nothing else, COVID should have shown you that you don't have the power that you thought you had. You don't have the control that you thought you had. You can't control your health as much as you thought you could. You can't control your finances or your job as much as you thought you could. You can't control your schooling. You, we can't even control, really, all of our freedom that we thought we could. But we can make a commitment to the one that can. To the God that can give you help. The God that can watch over you no matter what your bank account or your job says. The God that can be there to bring you peace when your life is riddled with depression and anxiety and worry and fear. Is it now the time to make a commitment to him? So no matter where you're at this morning, no matter what your life looks like or feels like, there has never been a better time for a fresh start than right now. Now is the time to reset everything. And my prayer for me, my prayer for you is to follow the example of Joseph. And through our thankfulness, our gratefulness, through our pro proactiveness, our courageousness, and our transparency, that God will reset our lives to be the men and women that he has created us and called us to be. That is my prayer for every one of us.